stand for the word of the Lord this morning. Take your Bible, please. I want you to open it to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Philippians chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today, I want to preach a message called, Are We There Yet? How many have some kids? How many ever heard them ask that question? Come on, look over at your neighbor and say, Are We There Yet? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Philippians chapter 3. Let's start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Chad is going to put that up on the screen. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. At home with the Lord. And then let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 17 says, Brothers and sisters, join in following my example and not those who so walk as you, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. They set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Are we there yet? Father, help me today to preach your word, rightly dividing this book. I ask for the truth to be spoken over these lips of clay under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that this body has worshiped and their hearts have been cultivated through praise. And now with open hearts, we come to the table of God and receive from the word of the Lord. I pray you would make my life meet, make it meet and sanctified, set apart for your use. Thank you for what you're going to do today, God, in this house. Bless these, your people, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. If anyone in this room is like my family, we enjoy the opportunity at various times to get away for a few days and um, to just get a break, catch a break. And it's not so much now, but I am vividly aware and vividly remember the times growing up uh, when my kids were growing up and they were much smaller and younger, um, we would take a trip and we would be going somewhere several hours away and somewhere about Hamilton Place Mall. Uh, about Hamilton Place Mall, maybe if I was blessed, it was the Udawa exit, uh, or if I was traveling south somewhere around Jasper or, uh, you know, down in uh, near, I don't know, uh, Resaca, Georgia, yes. Um, if I was blessed, the kids would begin to ask the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And I looked over at Devin and I said, I need you to do something. 
because I cannot handle this for seven hours of my travel and, and, and we need to watch a movie, put a movie on. Well, we don't have a movie. We'll get a movie, do something. We, we're not there yet and, um, and we, we have a, a journey ahead of us. Are we there yet? We, we were going somewhere and we were excited about getting there and we wanted to be there, but the reality of it was we weren't there yet. Maybe, maybe I should use this analogy for this sermon. It would make it better. How many have ever had an expectation for a package that you were waiting on to come? Yes, this is better. I hear some amens now. Some of you have ordered something and you were waiting on the FedEx or the UPS man or the mailman to come. And, and you were standing there and you, it, maybe you waited to the last moment to get a gift and, uh, or a, bur- a Christmas present and you needed it by this certain day. And so you were waiting on the gift to get there and it had not come yet. And you're waiting and he shows up, but he doesn't have the package that, that you were waiting on. And it's this, it's this expectation, this waiting that's attached, this waiting that is attached to this period of time uh, while you're waiting that is driving you crazy. You're trying not to lose your mind getting to the destination. You're trying not to lose your mind waiting on the package. You're trying not to wait, wear everybody out while you're waiting. But the reality of it is you uh, are not there yet or you haven't received what you are waiting for. And tucked within this text, in the third chapter of Philippians is an expression. It is a word that the apostle Paul uses that reflects the sentiment of my children who are trying with patience to wait till we get there, but wanting to know, are we there yet? Tucked within this text is this word, this phrase that Paul uses that that is like someone waiting on a gift, waiting on something they really want to come. and it hasn't happened yet, but they haven't lost hope. They're still waiting. And that's really what I want us to zero in. And it's in that 20th verse. And I read it in the New King James because it appropriately, um, it appropriately articulates the sentiment of Paul as Paul says this, I eagerly wait the coming of Jesus. This past week has been a bit of a challenge for me. I must admit, on on uh, Tuesday, I believe it was Tuesday, I received a phone call. I've had a very hectic week, a very busy week. Uh, but on Tuesday morning, I received early a call from Sister Jonna Phillips that one of our sweet mothers in the faith, uh, Mama Virginia Horton, went home to be with the Lord. And I won't go into the depth of a relationship that we had with her and her late husband, Dr. David Horton, but suffice it to say, she was a tremendous role model of worship in my life. And then I went through the rest of that morning and crossed over into lunch, and somewhere around three or four in the afternoon, I received a call from my dear friend, Dr. Sam Chand, notifying me that one of the mentors and a spiritual father in our life, in my life, uh, an overseer of this church, Uh, Dr. Tony Miller went home to be with the Lord. Bishop Miller went home to be with the Lord suddenly. He was a young man in his mid-60s, and suddenly he just uh, dropped dead and went home to be with the Lord. And, and, And I did some reflecting. Perhaps this message and this sermon this week is a product of the, of the, uh, the consideration and the time I spent sitting down thinking about heaven. I think we need a more robust theology of eternal life in the church. I, I, I became acutely aware of the fact this week that while we are ambitious about preaching the kingdom of God, and we should be, because the kingdom of God, 
is the message that John the Baptist preached. It is the message that Jesus the Christ preached. It is the message that the 12 preached. It is the message that the 70 preached. And it is the message that the resurrected Jesus preached in Acts chapter 1 after he rose from the dead. I am acutely aware and embrace the fact that the kingdom of God is what we should preach and demonstrate. But there should be no theology created that is heavenless. And the Lord spoke to me this week and said, one of the reasons that this generation is struggling in this moment that we're living in in the world is because she, the, the church in this hour has ceased to preach on heaven. Now, I know there's some people in here today who are going to detach and separate themselves from what I'm saying because I am, I am so heavenly minded. I am no earthly good, but what we're doing ain't working so well. And, and, and all these people running around prophesying. I'm thankful for prophecy. Don't misunderstand what I'm getting ready to say. I value the gift of prophecy. Paul reminds us in the book of Thessalonians that we should not despise prophesying. Prophecy is given to exhort, encourage, and build up the church. But we have a more excellent prophecy. And I'll never have to apologize for missing it if I preach this book. Y'all are not going to help nobody today. I'll, ne I'll never have to say I'm sorry for giving you a date and a time. I'll never have to say forgive me for telling you a man was going to do something. If I preach this book right here and preach that man, I'll be all right as long as I preach this more sure word of prophecy. And, and, and I'm concerned. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about the church in this day and time because we, we have this infatuation with things that, that are not ancient and authentic and we, we it seems to me that we're so hungry for something new that we have abandoned what is true in the pursuit of something that is just new. And I want to tell you right now, I've told you this over the 20 years I've been your pastor. My mama cooks chicken like nobody else's mama. It's amazing chicken. But when my mama's chicken gets cold and you put it in the microwave, Patrick, it doesn't feel like the original day when she cooked it. You can cook it on Sunday. Come back in there Tuesday and be like, I need some of that chicken, mama. Okay, let me put it in the microwave. She'll pull it out of the microwave. It's sizzling, it's steaming, but I put it in my mouth and it is not agreeable with the palate of my tongue because it doesn't taste as good on Tuesday as it did when she poured it out of the iron skillet on Sunday. But it's not that my mama needs a new recipe. It's that she needs a fresh batch of what has always been good. And what I'm concerned about in the church is that we're trying to change the recipe and the recipe doesn't need to change. We just need a fresh batch of what has always been the real thing. Let me go over here and preach a minute. Because if, if the world is in need of anything right now, it is a church that knows Christ and knows how to preach Christ and knows how to worship Christ and knows how to keep her eyes on Jesus. Enough with, it, enough with this stuff of buildings that we call churches being filled with people that we call Christians but lost folk coming to the house and nobody finding Jesus because Jesus is not in the building. I still believe that the old rugged cross and the empty tomb and the man who hung on that tree is enough to save every red, yellow, black, white, rich, poor from whatever country you came from. There is only one name under heaven given among men whereby we are saved. It is the name of Jesus. So that was like whatever. But it, 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 in this text... Paul reminded me of something I feel compelled to remind the body of this morning. He said, we eagerly await the coming of Jesus. And the Greek word is 
apodekimo. And what it means is to be waiting with fervent passion, almost like a child on a trip or a person waiting on a package. You want it. And we, I'm afraid we're not hungry for heaven anymore. I am concerned that we have become infatuated with our clubs and our little kingdoms we build down here and our little blue check marks and our little ministry followings and how many like me and how many retweeted my tweet and it doesn't really matter if we're not going to heaven And this is what the Lord said to me in prayer. We have less joy in this generation because we're not hearing preachers preach about going to heaven anymore. Do you recognize that this man, Paul, who wrote Philippians was in prison when he wrote the epistle? Five times he uses the word joy and 11 times he uses the verb rejoice. In a prison. They're going to take my rights away. They can't take my freedom away. I want you to hear me. I've been bottling this up for a couple of weeks now, and I need to get this off my chest. You people who think America granted you your freedom have forgotten that the man on the tree is the one that granted you your real freedom. And they may take this building one day, and they may take these lights one day, and they may take my tax exemption one day, but one thing they'll never take from me is my freedom, because my freedom was not signed simply by a pen in some chamber in Philadelphia. My freedom was signed with the blood of the Lamb of God who emancipated my bound soul, and if the Son makes me free, I am free. Getting happy. This man who wrote this book is in jail. And he says 11 times, rejoice. Count it all joy. How did he talk about joy in a prison? I'll tell you how. You ready for this? He knew where he was going. I'm going to bless myself today. He knew where he was going. He was on his way to heaven. And some people in this room today, and somebody watching me on television today, you've lost your joy. And if this world were my final destination, if this cesspool of societal nonsense were my final destination, I would have no joy too. But I have joy today. Anybody else have joy? I have joy today because I am not just a citizen of this nation. Paul tells me why he has joy. He said, remember, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Do you hear what I said to you? We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Are we there yet? I hope not. Don't tell me if we are. Because if this is what Jesus died, no, this isn't heaven. 
This isn't heaven. We can experience a taste of heaven. What we had an hour ago in the middle of all this worship was a taste of heaven. But I want you to know that there will be a day when we won't taste heaven. We will stand in the eternal bliss of heaven where there won't be people standing over on a corner looking at a watch as if you didn't spend five hours watching a football game on Saturday and you want to put me and the worship team on a clock because we're not in a big enough hurry for, oh, please get behind me. I've waited all week for a taste of heaven, but there is coming a day when we will see the king and there will be no time limitation because time will be no more. I won't need a break to sit down because I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, a life and a body. Well, I will never weary. I will never get tired. I won't need another song. I'll sit, you better not. I'll be here all day long. I'm gonna sing a song that the angel Michael and Gabriel cannot sing. I'm gonna ask him to take a seat. You've been crying holy 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 while the ages roll but let me and the redeemed step into the choir of I, I need to sing a song that the angels cannot sing when they look at my generation what would be the song we sing I'm gonna say redeemed how I love to proclaim it redeemed by the blood of the lamb redeemed by his infinite mercy his child and forever I am anybody glad you're redeemed today we have less joy because we have forgotten where we're going I'm going to heaven by the grace of God and through the blood of Jesus I'm going to heaven the Lord said to me, not only have we had less joy, let me stay on joy for a minute. I might not get off of this. When we were growing up, we had less stuff, but more joy. I don't know if y'all feel this way. Them saints I grew up with, I remember Sister Pat Brooks. She didn't have two dimes to rub together. Sweetest woman you ever met in your life, five teeth in her whole head. I remember on an Easter, she had on a beautiful white dress and she didn't have a car. She walked all the way to church on Easter Sunday in a white dress. Right before she got to church, she tripped and she fell in a mud puddle. Got mud all over her white dress. Now most of us would be too consumed with our following to show up at church on Sunday in a dress with mud all over it. But Sister Pat walked through the door that morning and she had a bounce in her step and her head was wagging and she started lifting that hand and shaking it. And you'll say, Pastor Kevin, how does she have joy with mud? all over her dress. I'll tell you how she had joy. Because she had mud on her dress, but her name was still written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And some of y'all need to quit being so shallow, and you need to quit whining so much, and you need to turn your whining and your worrying into worship, and you need to thank God that on your worst day, you're still the devil's worst nightmare. On your worst day, you're still a child of the king. On your worst day, you still got a mansion over the hillside. I want to remind you this morning that we are on our way to heaven, a city whose builder and maker is God, and I don't know about you, but my soul has joy. We would come to church. We would come to church. This is a true story. 
This is one reason why we have joy, because our songs had contents about heaven. I'm going. You have heard of little Moses in the bulrush. You have heard of fearless David and his sling. You have heard the story told of dreaming Joseph and of Jonah and the well we often sing. There are many, many others in that Bible. Hey, I would like to meet them all, I to declare. By and by, the Lord will surely let me meet them at that meeting in the air. There is going to be a meeting in the air, in the sweet by and by. I am going to meet you, meet you over there in that home beyond the sky. What singing you will hear, never heard by a mortal ear, will be glorious, I do declare. And God's own son will be the leading one at that meeting in the air. Sit down. See, you just feel better when you start singing about heaven. I know the second verse. All the doubters will be missing at that meeting. All the skeptics will be absent on that day. There will be no grumblers present to disturb us. And the Achans will be busy far away. There the saints will have his seal upon their foreheads. We'll dress in raiment none but ransom ones can wear. All who have their wedding garments will be present, yes, at that meeting in the... Okay. And then somebody would tear into... Everybody will be happy. We will shout and we'll sing. People who are religious are smiling right now. Everybody gets joy when you sing about heaven. Every time that mother shouts, I feel it in my bones. Hallelujah! And this is the issue. When we don't preach about heaven, we lose our joy. There's some people in this room right now. You've got more on the other side than you do on this side. You got more waiting for you over there. I feel the Lord. Then you, where's Patrick Kelly? Patrick Kelly, Papa Kelly, and Mama Kelly, I want you to know this morning they're doing all right. 
they're doing all right. Terry, I want y'all to know this morning, your son and your daughter, they're doing all right right now. I know we're worried about ourselves in this crazy world we're living in, but I want to tell you when Bishop Miller left this earth, when Mama Horton left this earth on, on earth on Tuesday morning, my soul was heavy, but my spirit was happy because they're in a place, a place that the old saints used to call no more. Why would they call it no more? Because there'll be no more cancer and there'll be no more crying and there'll be no more dying. I know some of y'all don't like this kind of preaching, but I want to remind you as crazy as this hellbound world is, I want to tell you that there is a reason for the saints to rejoice. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We are on our way to heaven and the journey gets sweeter every day. Number one, we don't have no joy when we don't preach about heaven. Number two, we get carnal when we don't preach about heaven. First John chapter three, verse three says, the people that have this hope purify themselves. And when you know you're on your way somewhere and you gotta, you gotta get there a certain way, you, 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 you got to go through the blood. You got to go by the way of the cross. We're on, a, we're, on a way, we're on our way to a place that only has one way. The Bible said in the book of Proverbs, there is a way. There is a way that seems right unto men. Nobody in their right mind would purposely choose the wrong way. But the Bible said it seemed right. Y'all don't know what I'm talking Have you ever been on your way to a place that you've been to just a few times? A couple of times. And, and your wife said, do you know where you are? It seems like, <laughs> it seems like this is the way. But then you come to the end of what seemed right, and the little woman on waves. I changed her voice because I'm tired of women telling me what to do. So I made the voice on my waves app a man from Great Britain. Turn right here. Okay, I can do it. You can tell me what to do, but not no woman. I'm just kidding. She said, do you know where you're at? It seems like this is the right way. Uh-uh, give me the phone. Push it in the phone, and I'm not going the right way. There's some people who are listening to me today and watching me today. You're traveling down a road that may seem right. But you need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit who will keep you in the right way and make sure you don't get off on one of them crazy ways. You know, there are some crazy ways. And you know, there's some people in churches taking crazy ways. Y'all don't want me to preach on that today. I'll just tell you this. Heaven is not like multiple choice. Heaven, we are all, the Bible said in the book of Hebrews, it is appointed once to die. And after this, the judgment. We don't get like four or five choices or chances. You have this life to determine Will I follow the man, Jesus Christ, who is the way, or will I take a way that seems right? 
And when you and I forget that heaven is our home and we don't have this hope of eternal life, we start living carnally. When I was growing up, and I know I talk about when I was growing up, you had to forgive my sentimentality today, but sometimes, sometimes when I'm surrounded by this, I have to go back to the place where I knew I was, I was in the truth, walking in the truth, and the people that were, that were all on. Does anybody remember a season in your life where everybody on TV didn't hate each other? Does anybody remember a season where, where who we voted for wasn't as important as who we worshiped? I want to get back to them days. And sometimes I, I think about those saints who had less but had so much more. Some of you have lost your joy today because you forgot you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Some of us have lost our holy living because we think we're going to be here forever. And, and you're in your 30s and you think, well, I got life by the tail. You better watch yourself. The Bible said to work out salvation with fear and trembling. I don't want you to miss heaven. Jesus doesn't want you to miss heaven. So there's no use in wasting your time and taking all of these chances. Somebody today needs to say, I'm going to live the rest of my life eagerly waiting. Keep your joy. Keep your holy living. Don't you let, see, this is why Paul, if you read this text I read to you in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, Paul calls these people who came into the church and began to deceive the church, he calls them dogs. Now, y'all can't handle this, but Paul, Paul was so nice, Jesus was so nice, Paul called them dogs. I'm not advocating you call people names because that's not necessarily uh, uh, appropriate. But the reason he called them dogs is because they were devouring the innocence of the church. They were feasting off the innocence, the naivety, and the purity of the church. And many people believe that Paul was addressing Gnostics and Judaizers in the church. And Gnostics were people who taught that there were essentially uh, two things in the, in the entire universe. And anything that was matter, anything that was substance was evil, and anything that was spirit was pure. Gnostics taught anything that was spirit was pure and anything that was, that, that was, that was touchable, that was material, that was tangible, it was, it was evil. And so they said their body is evil and since your body is evil, do with it whatever you want. Paul said, that is heresy. I want to tell you today that this stuff that we call grace, some people call it grace, heaven calls it lasciviousness. What does that mean, Pastor? It's when we take the grace of God and turn it into a license to sin. I'm going to preach to you the truth today in love. Jesus came to break the chains of sin off of you and I, and he did not come to give us coping skills. He came to help us overcome a slave master called sin. Sin is not your friend. Sin is not your buddy. Sin is not what we snuggle up to that makes us feel comfortable because James says that in the end, sin brings forth death. 
This is heavy. But what we have in this day is a false teaching of grace that you can come and pray a six-sentence prayer, run back to your old life, and one day get a get-out-of-hell-free card. That is not the gospel of Jesus. You are not born again if you wake up every morning and you want to go sin and you do it and enjoy it. You might have felt bad, but you didn't get saved. When you really get born again, you love God. You love people. You run from evil and you run to righteousness and when you fall into sin you don't stay in it you get up and you weep and you say God forgive me and he cleanses you and he gives you grace to keep on following him is this okay and I want you to I want you to live a pure life because when you live pure and holy lives you walk in the favor and the blessing of God You walk in the power of his presence and his spirit. And there's another problem when you quit preaching heaven and you quit thinking about heaven. Not only do you lose your joy, not only do you have a tendency to get carnal, but the church loses her evangelistic fire. Gary Keelan, my brother-in-law, my brother in Christ, you can't take him anywhere. You really can't take him anywhere without him telling somebody about what God did for him. Come on, Gary, I wanted a hamburger. I mean, can we just get a shake? I mean, do we gotta turn this Sonic into a, into a tent meeting? When we drive down the road, I see parking lots and I think, ooh, that'd be a great place to build a church. Gary thinks tent, put a tent there. We're gonna <laughs> preach the gospel. There ain't even anybody here, Gary. They'll come. That's what he says. They'll come. Just put a tent up, get a microphone and a few speakers. Who's going to sing? I don't need no singing. I got a Bible and a microphone. Somebody's going to give their heart to Jesus. Where is the evangelistic fire of the church? Well, Brother Gary's our evangelist. Find that in your Bible. The Bible said you. Somebody slap your neighbor, wake him up and say you. You do the work of an evangelist. You don't hire out your evangelism just like you don't hire out your worship and you don't hire out your testimony. Nobody but you knows what the Lord has done for you. And you don't have to be a preacher who waxes eloquent and understands his deep theological truth to see somebody born again. If you don't know what to say, just tell them what the Lord did for you. Tell them how messed up and screwed up you were. I feel the Lord on me right now. Tell them how messed up you were until Jesus came and rescued you. I'm going to ask you a sobering, hard question. Are you like the statistically proven 1.8% of the American church who's actually led somebody to Jesus in your lifetime? 1.8%? What is happening to us? I'm afraid we've lost our evangelistic fervor. He or she who winneth souls is wise. Do you know that you're going to stand before Jesus 
I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. Check me out. Do you know you're going to stand before Jesus at the judge? I'm talking to Christians. Christians will stand before Jesus. Sinners will stand before God. There's a difference between the great, the great white throne judgment of Revelation and the judgment seat of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5. We call it the Bema seat of Christ. There's a difference. Sinners who rejected Jesus will be judged by God, and I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. They will be cast into the lake of fire. Why would a loving God do that? That's not the appropriate question. Why would anybody reject Jesus is the right question. No one will be shoved into hell because God isn't love. Anyone who goes to hell will go there because they chose hell. But the saints will not stand before God at the, at the great white throne judgment. Saints will stand before Jesus at the Bema seat of Christ where 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we will be judged for our works. Christian, son and daughter of God, you and I are on our way to heaven. And what we do for him while we are on our way doesn't make us more saved. But what we do for him while we're on our way does determine the gifts that we will give him and the worship that we will crown him with when we take those crowns off that we won and cast them at his feet in worship. Your life matters for Christ. Your inactivity matters. Well, I'm just going to coast through life, be saved, and be undercover. Find that one in the book. Where are the people who will tell the story? Where are the people who will testify of the goodness of Jesus? Where are the soul winners? Well, they, they, they might say something to me. They might make fun of me. Poor you. He was mocked and ridiculed. He was stripped and beaten. They crucified him. And we're afraid. Do you realize how carnal the American church gets sometimes? I've lost every shouter I had helping me. Do you realize how carnal the American church gets? People, I, I, I see these people who are panicking, panicking because of the, what might get taken away. Do you realize that the gospel of Jesus Christ flourished in opposition? Thank you for helping me, sweetheart. I appreciate that. The gospel of Jesus Christ was not written by a bunch of men who had a favorable government. The government hated them. I'm not inviting this, and I certainly will not, will not stand by. I don't want to stand by and not have a voice in keeping uh, uh, our religious ability together. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm simply telling you the church has, has done a lot of whining over the last few weeks. Nobody wants to say amen, but the truth of the matter is nothing has changed about the gospel or the kingdom of God or the man Christ Jesus. He is still the king of kings. He is still the Lord of
of lords. The cross still saves. The blood still saves. The name of Jesus is still the highest name on the planet. So why have you lost your joy? I think we need a movement. A movement of gospel passion and evangelism. I think we need that 1,400 people who leave this property today, deputized by the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, to run out of this church. Don't just walk, run to your car, run to the restaurant, share the goodness of God with everyone you meet. Jesus is coming, hell is hot, heaven is real, Jesus still saves. Let's get to work! Paul was eagerly awaiting the coming of the Lord. My concern is we're passively hoping we have a little while longer. Not because we want to see more souls saved, but because we got more we want to do for our own personal selves. I love, I love young men. When, when we counsel young men, I love it when they say things like, I hope Jesus doesn't come tomorrow. I really want to get married. <laughs> Bro. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's, <laughs> trust me. <it's laughs> gotcha. Right? We've we got all of the stuff we want to do. So I want to I want to do this. I want to do that. You need to live like he may come tomorrow. In fact, you need to live like he comes before we leave this service. Gene Wiggins, those over there. Every place I look at, I think of a loved one. Many of you who I either was part of the funeral or. Got more on that side to live for than we do on this side. We want to advance the kingdom. I preach the kingdom. I'll never stop preaching the kingdom because until we're here, we're to occupy. But finish the scripture. Occupy until he comes. Paul goes on, and I'm through. Paul goes on to say, we eagerly await the Lord's presence. Are we there yet? No, but we're on our way. Paul says, be careful who you follow. Know where you're from and understand your future. He said, follow me and apostles like me. Why would Paul say, follow me? Because Paul said, I'm following Jesus. Be, look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, be careful who you follow. <laughs> Be careful who you follow because everybody is listening to a voice. And everybody you're following is going somewhere. Be careful who you follow. We have our pet prophets that speak the language and the stuff we like and we migrate toward them. Be careful that you don't get so locked into your favorite prophet that you don't hear other prophetic voices that may provide necessary balance for you in your journey. Oh, I'm taking it all off today. 
be careful who you follow. Paul says, follow me. And he says this in the context of, of, of having choices to follow. He said, there are other people who I've told you about before, and now I tell you with tears coming down my face, their God is their belly, their shame is their glory, and they think earthly thoughts. Me and that little lady and my four children, while they're in my house, I have made up my mind. As archaic as it may sound, as old-fashioned as I may seem to be, call me a dinosaur, call me whatever you want to, I'm going to build my life around the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to tell my kids to live pure and holy lives because heaven is real. I'm going to tell them to run from darkness. Don't dabble with it. Don't explore. Let's go explore and find out who you really are. The devil is a liar. Your children don't need exploration. They need the truth. I want to build my life around Jesus. Because he's coming. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise at the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord and comfort one another. Did you hear that? Comfort one another with these words. The coming of the Lord is not meant to be a terror. For the Christian, the coming of the Lord is meant to be a comfort. He's coming. The kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. He's coming. And I know there are scoffers who deck out all of the news channels at nighttime and they tell you the Lord may not be coming and they scoff. That's what Peter said they would do. They would scoff when we preach the coming of the Lord and they would say, where is his coming? If he's coming, why hasn't he come yet? I tell you, there is only one reason why. Scripture says there's one reason why Jesus hasn't returned. It's the long-suffering of God. Not willing that any man or woman should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is one reason why Jesus hasn't come. It is not because of the seven principles over in Israel. And that, no, there's one reason. He hasn't come yet. Lost people matter to God. And he's pleading, be reconciled to God. Bishop Miller went home to be with the Lord this week. My soul was so hurt. You have no clue how many times I've been driving down the road and he would call me with a word from a spiritual father that I needed to hear in what I was going through. The day I made the hardest decision I've ever made in my life to leave a denomination that I loved, still love to this day. Saved in, preached in, the hardest thing I've ever done. I was driving down the road. Tears are coming down my face. I think, my God, I've made the hardest, worst decision of my life. Lord, I'm crazy. I've lost my mind. And he calls me. He had never known me. He 
called me. He said, Kevin Wallace, this is Tony Miller. You don't know me, but God just told me to call you. And he told me to tell you. Man will make you or God will make you. But both won't make you. And he said, today God told me to tell you, you have decided, Pastor Kevin, that God would make you. And he's going to take care of you in your future. He will never know this side of heaven what kind of impact that one moment driving down the road in that car he had on my life. I pulled over. I called Devin. I said, I just got a phone call from Tony Miller, and he has no clue. He didn't even know what was going on in my life. He had to call a friend to get my number. That man who spoke that kind of word into my life went to heaven this past week. And I'm sitting over in my office with, with my screen on my Comcast pulled up and all of the junk going on in this nation. And I thought to myself, I've lost my joy sometimes. And I've gotten my mind and my eyes on this place that is temporary. And I've gotten them off that place that is eternal. I've got about a thousand songs running through my mind right now. I'm not going to sing them to you. <laughs> I'll sing them to my kids and wear my wife out with all of them. Maybe you know page 246. Daddy, what are you talking about? What is page two? What book? What book? It's the Bible and the Redback Hymnal. It's almost the same. I mean, it's just kidding. You know page 333? Some glad morning when this... Never mind. Don't lose hope. Don't lose your joy. Child of God, we're going to heaven. Jesus is coming back. And I recognize there is a theological thing happening in the earth and a shift away from the consideration of eternal life. And it's now all about kingdom now. I want to tell you my, percep my perception of scripture is this. Preach the kingdom, demonstrate the kingdom. The kingdom will grow in influence, but it will not become the kingdoms of this world being the kingdoms of our God until Jesus Christ comes back to this planet and rules and reigns from Jerusalem on a throne with a rod of iron. Jesus is coming. That is in your Bible. And I don't have to lose my joy on my journey. Stand with me. Who you follow is important. Knowing where you're from is significant. Remember what Paul told the church at Philippi, he said, you are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Well, I'm not, on, I'm not in heaven. Yeah, but I'm from heaven while I'm on my way to heaven. And you have a future. I know where I'm from. I know who I'm following, and I know I have a future. What is my future? I'm going to be made conformed into his image. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I quoted every funeral I preached. This corrupt must put on incorruption. 
this mortal will put on immortality, then will be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? This past week, the sting of death touched my own soul. There will come a day when the sting of death, I, listen, if you've lost anyone on this side of heaven, you know the sting of death is real. How many know the sting of death is real? How many ever been stung by a bee or a wasp or a hornet or something? Lift your hand. When that thing, that joker stings you, almost immediately the first thing you should do is get the what? Get the stinger out. When you lose a loved one on this side, you feel it. When you lose somebody that you care about on this side, you feel the sting of death, but there is coming a day. I better not because I'll do something here. There is coming a day when death's sting will be removed and the sting of sin won't, the sting of death won't hurt like it used to. There's going, I truly believe this, we're going to have a reunion of sorts of some kind in heaven. We used to hear that preacher growing up and now we hear it and we're like, oh, that's old-fashioned. It's old-fashioned till you lose somebody. And then you get the hanky out and you say, everybody will be happy over there. So I just want to pray for you today to live with heaven in view. Keep your joy. Live pure lives. Be an evangelist for Jesus. Win the lost, because everyone, everyone who stands before God without having accepted Christ, hell is a very real place, not created for people, created for demon spirits that rebelled against God. Hell is a very real place, but I want to tell you this today, heaven is too.